Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. As a CFP and RFC, George McReynolds' mission is to help people create compelling dreams for their future, the plans to attain them, and the time to enjoy them. This is the Prosper Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome into this edition of the Prosper Podcast, into the new year here with this first podcast of the season, or I guess of the year, with George McReynolds once again talking about investing, finance, and retirement. And on this episode, we're going to talk about some lessons to learn from the Market Crash Hall of Fame as uh, the market continues to rise and the numbers continue to just be quirky and weird and people are all sorts of confused. We thought it'd be interesting to talk about some of these and look at a little bit of history and see if we can glean any information from that. But first, let's say hey to George. What's going on, my friend? How are you? Life is great. We're having a wonderful start to the uh, the winter here in Pennsylvania. Yeah. How was your holiday? Oh, it was wonderful. Nice and peaceful, quiet, a lot of food, and <laughs> a lot of quiet. Uh, just an incredible day with my granddaughter here. She just didn't want to go home, but she wanted to send her parents home. Uh, it, was, it was the funniest thing. She That's was swimming cute. in the hot tub and... And she said, oh, can I stay here tonight? I said, sure, your mom and dad can stay across the, the uh, hall. They said, no, send them home. <laughs> that's awesome. She's like, no, I want to be spoiled. It's my time. Uh, yes. That's good stuff. Well, good. I'm glad you had a good holiday. Hopefully our listeners did. Yeah, we are back here. It's the second week of January with our first podcast of the year. And so, like I said, George, there's so much interesting stuff. If you'd have told somebody that the market was going to drop 30% last year, uh, due to a pandemic and then rebound within the same calendar year and have all-time highs, people would have said, you're crazy. There's no way that's possible. And yet, you know, we continue to see these numbers climb and people are wondering, when is the shoe going to drop? Uh, because we haven't had a really a prolonged downturn since 08. So let's talk about a couple of these Market Crash Hall of Fame items like the 08 one. But we'll go back first for a little history have a little fun here to discuss the uh, what they call the granddaddy of them all, which was Black Tuesday way back in 1929 that kicked off the Depression. Yeah, the big one, October 29th of 1929. And uh, I really read a lot about the Great Depression and the crash uh, several years ago. And John Kenneth Galbraith was the best authority on the whole thing. And after all his research and all his writing, he never could figure out what caused it. It just happened. And I, I think it was a lot of things that have kind of built up over time, like we saw with the dot-coms, like we saw the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. Everyone could have predicted it, but nobody could tell when. Yeah, and that seems to be the case a lot of times with these things. And what I find interesting on just a little bit of that we put here on the show notes to talk about was, you know, obviously the Great Depression got kicked off from it. And it talked about the Dow falling 12%, which, you know, doesn't seem that big a deal today. I mean, like I said, we saw, you know, we saw a 30% drop in February of, in March of 2020, you know, and we've seen a you 10% know, drop at the end of 18, the holiday season there, and then it came right back in January. So 12 doesn't sound like that much, but the, the Dow also was not at 30,000, you know, plus like it is now. I think it was something like 1,200 then. So 12%, you know, big deal. Yeah. And it's yeah, interesting. One of the big things that, that's affecting the crashes in modern times is that over 75% of all trades are generated by computers. Right. And they're a lot faster than, than people. <laughs> uh, they can, you know, they don't have to write it down and send a, a runner down to the floor to to get it uh, traded. Mm -hmm. It just happens instantly, and in a lot of cases, it's the computer making the decision to buy or sell. So that yeah. has accelerated the the speed, and has also ex accelerated the 
the depth and the height of, of the market movements. Yeah, very true. Well, you know, I just kind of wanted to touch on that one because obviously it's not really, a, you know, anybody now basically is not affected by that. You know, I mean, there's, most of those folks have, uh, have moved on, passed on. But let's move it into more of a, a modern era for most of us, for a lot of our listeners who are retirees or pre-retirees. Uh, something that really the last 20, 25 years is really where it's been affecting them more on a personal level. So let's start. You mentioned the dot-com crash. We'll go back 20 years, 21 years, I guess, at this point and talk about the dot-com crash. What was a little bit of history there? Well, the uh, if anything with the dot-com ran up. If you had sportinggoods.com, you were all of a sudden a millionaire if you owned anything. Nobody really understood the website but or, or the web or the internet. But if there were companies or people that said that they knew what it was, everyone knew the future. But there were some people that said, oh, I know what it is. I know how to work it. I know where it's going. And lots of money got dumped into them. There were very few technology companies who were actually profitable at that point other than AOL. And uh, the money was just getting thrown at them. Profits didn't matter because they were going to grow to infinity. So it didn't matter what you paid for it. Right. And it, it kept growing and growing and growing. And then uh, in April of 2000, uh, now a big part of what happened, I think, was everyone, not everyone, but most people knew that the world was going to end <laughs> on January 1st, 2000. Oh, that's, yeah, the Y2K, yeah. Yeah, Y2K. And so a lot of money was kept on the sidelines for that. So the people that lost money in 1987's crash, they parked everything and they watched all their friends and neighbors make money. And then after the world didn't end in January of 2000, that's when the big bubble money came in. They might have been able to justify some things before January 1st of 2000. Uh, Harry Dent in the summer of 1999 was predicting the Dow to go to 42,000. And uh, that was that was ludicrous. And, uh, but, <laughs> we'll get there uh, eventually, but yeah, we're not there yet. Yeah, eventually, not in our lifetime, though. So once the uh, the world didn't end, the generators didn't stop, the money didn't become worthless. Uh, a lot of amateur money came into the market, and it chased everything. And uh, I remember working with a lot of small investors at the time, uh, referred from the credit union, and I just spent a lot of time kind of talking them out of it, but. They wanted, you know, the neighbors were retiring because they bought a stock and they wanted to retire soon too. So they wanted to buy the same stock. And I just implored them not to do it. Mm, yeah. And, uh, and it was just, there was just nothing to it. Now you probably know who Mark Cuban is. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, but the only reason you know him is he had a dot com and he made a whole bunch of money on paper, but he was smart enough to hedge it. He went into the, uh, into the futures market and into the options market and he, uh, he bought what were called leaps. So that when the market went down, he was able to put his stock at the same price to somebody else. And so he was able to hold on to his paper money where other investors didn't. So I do like to listen to Mark. I, I would not like to hang out with Mark Cuban for, for a night, but I do <laughs> love to listen to him. He's, uh, he's got some great insight into the market and into, into life and, and, and business. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people kind of probably think of, uh, if you're thinking about him, he's the Shark Tank guy along with he owns several sports teams. Uh, and he's just, yeah, he made, it, made a fortune in the, in the uh, tech bubble, which was back in the dot-com era. Right. Yeah. And so, and I talked about a prolonged downturn, and we're going to get to that in a second. Obviously, when I touched on the pandemic crash of 2020, but you know, this was about a, I guess, about a 17 or 18 month crash. It was basically from 2000 to 2002. 
you know, so there was a fairly long sustained downturn. And in the middle of that, which probably might have added to that, George, obviously we had the 2001, uh, the September 11th attacks, which also kind of triggered, you know, one of the largest declines in days. And we had the suspend of some trading. And so all of this kind of led up uh, into that two year run during the dot com crash. Absolutely. And we actually had a rebound in uh, late summer of 2000. It, it came up again in uh, September of 2000. It plummeted. That's when the NASDAQ got cut in half. And we were starting to recover. We kind of uh, were looking pretty good in August, uh, July and August of 2001. And, and then, uh, 9-11 happened in the World Trade Center and the market just plummeted and it, it really took some time. It, it actually didn't hit the bottom until 2002, yep. as you said, and it took years to, to recover. And, and so, everything was fundamentally changed. Oh, absolutely. And so just as people start to recover from this through, you know, 04, 05, 06, well, then the big, you know, Whopper comes in in 08 and we have the, the most recent people thinking about now, even though the fact that it's now 12, 13 years ago, uh, the financial crisis, housing crisis, whatever you want to refer to it as of 08 caused, you know, yet another two plus years of major downturn. And often this whole 10 year window of 2000 to 2010 is referred to as the lost decade. Yes. And, I, you know, there's a movie, uh, The Big Short. And uh, Christian Bale and Steve Carell did an incredible job of portraying two guys with Asperger's syndrome. Uh, they were just drones that knew numbers and had no personality, mm -hmm. but they really knew what was going on with the market and just how ludicrous it was. And then they placed some big bets. And it's a great movie, even if you just barely understand finance and the markets. And if you don't, you'll learn a little bit as well. But it was so poignant, it was so to the to the point of what uh, what was really happening, and that, it was another one of those times when everyone knew it couldn't last, but no one no one knew when it was going to happen. As Jimmy Rogers likes to say, the market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. And so, yeah, and obviously, you know, if you're lost. 40%, you know, 42%, some of those numbers we, we know from 08, 09, uh, and you were getting close to retirement, clearly that was a detrimental problem. And for a lot of our listeners now, George, they were, you know, this was 10, 12 years ago, so they were probably in their 40s. Uh, so, you know, now we're getting closer to retirement, retirement, pre-retiree age or retirement age, and we move ourselves up to 2020. We had seen what happened, obviously, last year uh, with the uh, with the downturn in February, March. Again, who would have thought it would have recovered that quickly? And so it kind of really leads us to the question of when is the next one, and are we due for one of these prolonged downturns of you know fifteen, eighteen, twenty four months that we haven't seen in quite a while? Uh, yes, we're due, but bull markets don't die of old age. <laughs> okay, uh, they're. Uh, you know, the 2020 it was 33 days was the length of that that bear market, and then it came right back. And I think what was really going on was the fundamentals, the underlying economy was pretty strong, and investors knew that once we got through this, we'd be back on on solid footing, and things would be a little bit different. And that even some companies would profit from that. And they were kind of looking beyond the short term and into the long term, believing that eventually we're going to get over this pandemic, just like we did with the, the bird flu back in 2006. And uh, I, I was reading an article uh, that I had referenced back then. There was a panic at the point where 114 people died in China, mm -hmm. 114 people. Right, right. And, uh, so I think everyone that was smart was looking beyond, figuring we'd have a cure. And they, where else are you going to put your money? 
uh, a couple of webinars I've been on lately, they talk about TINA, T-I-N-A. There is no alternative. With interest rates so low, you'll get zero at your bank. You'll get less than 1% on a treasury. And at least with a, with a, a profitable company uh, that has a mainstay product, you may get some dividend income. So I think they look past the short term and we're looking in a lot of cases just to get dividends and uh, and get things on the rebound. But, and there is underlying, again, I always like to look at the demographics of everything and the demographics have looked pretty good. And again, once we get through uh, this uh, pandemic, I think there's going to be sort of a, everything that's been backed up is, is going to happen. Everything, everything that's been delayed and deferred is going to come to the market real quick and or, or come to the economy real quick. And then there's a little bit of a tailwind that we should be able to get from, from the demographics, that basically the number of 50-year-olds we have in the economy. And then when those 50-year-olds disappear, then we start to look at, uh, at uh, things like you know, 1990 when we had the recession and, uh, and really 2000, there was a big demographic component to that that was delayed by the Federal Reserve because of Y2K. Right. So well, it looks like we could have a, a good three, four, maybe five years. And the, the danger is that the Federal Reserve doesn't have any ammunition. All their tools are dry and they won't have anything to fight it. So it's, it's out there. Now, I'm, I can't now, say so exactly when it's going to happen, but I, I know that it's out there. It's not going to happen this month or next month. Right. Uh, but, uh, and you're talking three, four, five years of a potential downturn, to be clear, correct? Right. That's what I see, that the market could go down three to four times. Like the um, the financial crisis, 2008, 2009, right. Bernanke uh, was the world's best authority at that point in the Great Depression. And he, better than anyone else, knew the potential. And it's the extreme actions of the Federal Reserve that kept that from from going on for, for five or, or 10 years. Yeah, I gotcha. And it really, it, there's some common threads. There's some definitely things that people look at. But as for a lot of us uh, lay folks who just don't do this every day, it's so easy to get confused because you've got half the you know, input sources saying it's coming and the other half saying it's not. And so, and I think that's always been the case. So people tend to get very wrapped up in this. Any key lessons or takeaways uh, you know, just from well, any of this kind of stuff? There was a big uh, epiphany for me after the 2008, 2009, because I was a big believer in asset allocation or modern portfolio theory. And there were a number of articles written that said asset allocation is a hoax. It's a fraud that it doesn't work. And it, I, it really confused me. And then what I came to realize is it, it's not a fraud. It's not a hoax. It's just incomplete. So the fact that they can't determine the timing of the market precisely doesn't mean that you can't figure out where things are going. And that's when I started to, to look at momentum and really tracking the current of the market. And too many people, especially too many investment salespeople, just want buy and hold or what we call buy and hope. They just want to sell an investment and then move on to the next one. Many people want to buy an investment and just hold that and not pay attention until they're, they're ready to, to get the money. And you can't afford to do that. You've got to watch what's going on. You can't predict it. You can't look into the crystal ball. You can't look into the rearview mirror. But again, we like to have the analogy of the ocean top. It's chaotic on the surface with the wind and the moon controlling the direction and the temperature. But if you drop down 100 feet, it's calm, it's peaceful, it's quiet. And it's the current that determines the direction and the temperature. And that's what our system is now. It's, it's a matter of, of following the current. Where is the market going? The smart money moves first, and we're not trying to beat them. We're just trying to get in their wake. 
when they move, they affect the market and we just track that. And mm. we have 17 different strategies, whether the market's going up, down or sideways to adapt to, to where the market's going, wherever that current is going, where well, I think we've got the right tools to, to navigate uh, where things are going. Well, really interesting thoughts on that. So again, as always, folks, if uh, you know, we thought we'd do a little history lesson here on the market downturns of the past 20 years for sure. And of course, took a quick look at the old, uh, the original one there. But if you've got questions or concerns, as always, you want to check with a qualified professional before you take any action. And you can reach out to George uh, at 215-699-1050. That's 215-699-1050. Or stop by the website. You can go to prosperpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the podcast and learn more about the show. Or you can drop into his main website at mcwealth.com. That's mcwealth.com, mcwealth.com. And that's going to do it for us this week. We hope you enjoy this podcast. We'll be back with more here in a couple of weeks uh, on the show. But George, thanks for your time as always, my friend. I hope you have a good week or two, and I will see you soon. Thanks, Mark. Welcome to New Year. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate your time, and we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks here on the Prosper Podcast. Don't forget to go subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify, or whatever platform you choose, and we'll see you next time. George McReynolds of McReynolds Wealth Management, registered principal. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member, FINRA SIPC. Investment advisor representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and McReynolds Wealth Management are not affiliated. Advanced level tax planning, income, tax preparation, life coaching, and time management consulting services, and fixed insurance products and services are separate and unrelated to Cambridge. Cambridge does not offer tax advice.